What if? Part 2 of the It Was Always You series by M. L. Trafry. Read by Literarian. Chapter 3 They Never Stopped Talking. Following on from a scene in Chapter 21 of the original fic. 2009 He waited and waited. He had gone back to his room late, hoping the whole walk back that he would find Anthony on his bed and they would make up, talk it out, something, anything. He was both filled with relief and shocked to open his dorm door and find Anthony sitting on his bed, arms crossed, glaring. I just gotta know one thing, he asked with his jaw clenched. Ezra's heart fell. So no talking it out, no making up. But maybe this way he could rush an apology before Anthony stomped out on him. Oh, he swallowed, losing the door to his room. Of course, what is it you wanted to know? Why Gabriel? Anthony asked. Ezra blinked. Why Gabriel what? He asked, tilting his head slightly. Why, after all this time, did you choose Gabriel? He asked, getting off Ezra's bed and standing beside it, wound tense like a snake, prepared to strike. Ezra took in his best friend's form and understood he could not let what happened outside of the party happen again. He'd have to be careful. One wrong word and Anthony would be out the door. I'm not sure I understand what you mean, he said slowly. I'm not even sure what Gabriel has to do with all... You're dating him, Anthony snapped, throwing his hands out to the side as he seethed. Ezra straightened his head, his shoulders dropping. Excuse me, I most certainly am not... He retorted. No, Anthony asked, the anger and tension still in his voice mixed in with a wonderful dose of uncertainty. Then why was he blathering on about you two going on a date tomorrow night? Big fancy restaurant, dressing nice, all that rot. I... Ezra frowned deeper. He wrecked his brain for what Gabriel had said, trying to sort out the words. I never agreed to that. I'm quite sure I would have remembered him asking if I wanted to go on a date. He asked to go to dinner. That's a date, Anthony said, like it was obvious. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Can't be. Ezra replied, shuffling to sit in his computer chair. Otherwise, I have some serious apologizing to do to Oscar when I next see him. What? 
Anthony asked, seeming to forget any of his earlier hostility in order to be so utterly confused. Well, considering all the times you and I have gone to dinner. No, we... it's not... that's different, Anthony said, dropping to sit on the end of the bed close to Ezra. How so? Ezra asked. Well, we were... Anthony trailed off. Ezra smiled sadly. Yes, we were, weren't we? I'll miss it all terribly. What? What are you talking about now? Anthony asked, the irritation returning a little. Ezra shrugged. You've outgrown me, he said plainly, but couldn't look at Anthony. At some point along the way, you stopped needing me. Not that you ever have, of course, but I'd like to think that once, maybe... But it doesn't matter. It's goodbye now, isn't it? When Anthony just blinked at him, he nodded once. Then please know that I did... Well, maybe not need you, but I certainly wanted you around. That I love you and hope you have an absolutely wonderful life. Ezra nodded once more, pleased to have said his bit and maybe he could live without any regrets. He waited, looking at his hands, wondering how long Anthony was going to sit there staring at him like he was the biggest idiot, the most sentimental fool that ever walked the earth. Did you just say you love me? He asked after a very long time. Ezra's heart stopped. Did I? He asked, his voice a bit higher than normal. You did. Anthony nodded slowly. You said you wanted me around and you love me. Oh, Ezra said. Suppose I did. Well, you can um, choose to ignore that, if you wish. If it makes things less awkward. I mean, I must have been doing a pretty alright job keeping it under wraps, what with you being surprised just now. That is, um, well, I suppose it would only make things less awkward if you wanted to stay around. Which you don't. You were leaving, after all, and made some pretty... Ezra stopped talking when one of Anthony's long fingers touched his lips, making his breath catch. Just so I'm clear, Anthony said slowly, when you say you love me, you mean romantically? Ezra tried to talk, but found his voice had decided that now would be an excellent time to stop working. So he nodded, shaking like the proverbial leaf. Ezra didn't know what to think when Anthony smiled wide and began to lean toward him. He knew what he was hoping for, but then Anthony stopped short and frowned. I can't do this right now he said to himself, shaking his head, withdrawing his finger from Ezra's lips. Do... do what? Ezra asked. 
Anthony sighed. Kiss you, he said, running a hand through his hair. Oh, Ezra replied. Why not? Anthony grimaced. Because not an hour ago I made out with another bloke before he... Anthony gestured to his lap and Ezra got the message. Feels wrong. I don't want a kiss between us to feel wrong. I don't want to... Not tonight. Oh, Ezra said, disappointed but understanding and also completely baffled by how quickly things kept turning around. Well, I suppose I can't blame you. Anthony huffed, then shook his head. He glanced about the room before turning a despondent grin at Ezra. I cocked this one up, haven't I? he said. Whatever do you mean? Ezra asked gently. Anthony looked away. You know, if I'd just stayed home, none of this would have happened. No, Ezra said. I suppose it wouldn't have. Maybe, maybe we should just forget this night ever happened, Anthony said as he got up, brushing his hands and his hair as he went. Ezra stood as well. Oh, I, if you'd like. Anthony smiled wistfully. Good night, angel, he said before moving to the door and leaving. Ezra remained standing for a long time before he got himself together and prepared for bed, despite not being tired. It dawned on him that he didn't know for sure if Anthony had any intention of coming back, be it physically or otherwise. Yes, he may have wanted to kiss Ezra, but it didn't mean he would be around to try again. He also didn't say anything in return, meaning, for all Ezra knew... No, Anthony wouldn't humor him or pity him or any other rot. If this was the end, which Ezra was beginning to doubt it was, then Anthony would have walked out the door without having said a word and without offering a bit of hope. Still, Ezra grabbed his phone and painstakingly typed out that he wanted Anthony to let him know when he was back in his flat. That done, Ezra got under the sheets and picked up his book, reading instead. Fatigue hovered around him but never landed, which meant he was still awake when his phone chimed an hour and a bit later. Home safe. Glad to hear. I'll talk to you later. Of course. That simple answer was enough to let Ezra breathe a sigh of relief. Knowing Anthony would be asleep soon, he set his phone down and went back to reading. When the sun was up and the hour what most people might call passably acceptable, Ezra picked up his phone and made a call. Morning, sunshine, 
Gabriel's voice came through, slightly winded but very excitable. You looking forward to tonight? Yes, about that, Ezra began, clearing his throat. <clears throat> I've been informed that you and I may have had our wires crossed. Oh? Gabriel asked, the sound of water and suction coming through the speaker. Yes, Ezra said. Gabriel, I'm terribly sorry, but when you asked me last week if I wanted to have dinner with you, I had no idea you meant it as a date. Well, what did you think I meant? Gabriel asked a bit sharply. Honestly? I thought you just meant for the two of us to get together, enjoy one another's company, but without the romantic intentions. Oh, Gabriel replied. Well then, do you want to go on a date with me tonight? He asked, and Ezra could just picture him smiling. I'm afraid not, he replied, and he was sure that smile likely lost a lot of its body. I'm... I'm sorry, Gabriel, I'm just not interested in you that way. You're attractive, of course, and I like you, but I'm just not attracted to you. He endured a five-minute protest, or maybe it was a rant, possibly even a plea, stemming from Gabriel's insistence. He'd already made the reservation, and picked out a suit. And why couldn't Ezra merely give him a chance? Maybe he'd find him attractive after a night out together. A knock on the door blissfully gave him the excuse to promptly hang up. He hesitated for just a second, fearing that at some point Gabriel had jogged up to Ezra's building and got up to his floor and at his door while Ezra wasn't listening to much else besides his words. Angel? He heard the muffled confusion on the other side, and with great relief, he opened the door to Antony. He frowned at Ezra, then glanced around the room. Everything all right? Yes, Ezra replied, stepping back to let Antony in. I thought you might have been Gabriel. I just called to cancel our, well, I suppose our date, since that's what he thought it was. And then reality caught up to him. What are you doing here? Aren't you worried about that bloke your father has watching you? Sod him. What's he going to do? Report that I wasn't in my flat all day? Oh no, I went out and had a life. Maybe I was home, but I slept. I suppose there's that. Ezra smiled. Even so, Antony, what are you doing here? Well, Antony bounced on the balls of his feet. My initial attempt at surprising you went down like a lead balloon. He smirked as Ezra snorted. But thought maybe I could try again. See if maybe this time I had better results. What did you have in mind then? Ezra asked. Antony appeared utterly delighted, and he shuffled a backpack off his shoulder, plopping it down on Ezra's desk chair. I brought the best pastries in London that can be bought at a reasonable hour. Still warm, 
he said, as he set the paperback down on the desk, the scent of buttery baked goods filling the air. I did not bring tea or coffee, figured we could get the stuff here on campus. But I did bring a few movies we could watch, as well as some of my work in case you were too busy for movies, and that was all I had in mind, just time with you. I quite like that, Ezra replied, resisting the urge to take Anthony in his arms and just hold him. Instead, he said, Do you mind waiting a moment in the hallway? I just need to change. Are we feeling modest? Anthony teased. Ezra blushed. Perhaps a bit. I'll keep my back turned. Anthony said, turning around to face the door, and Ezra made quick work of switching into something suitable for going to get tea. Properly attired, he gently touched Anthony's back to let him know he was ready. When he dropped his hand, he was pleased to find it fall into Anthony's, their fingers entwining like they had the night before, and they headed outside together. When Anthony had gotten back to his flat, the very first thing he did was shower. Never once in his life had he felt dirty from a hookup. Not once had he felt the need to remove a person from his body. But realizing he'd only done it because of Gabriel telling him how he'd won Ezra made him feel gross. He'd doubled back to Ezra's dorm the night before when he simply couldn't stop wondering why. Why Gabriel? Why now? Why not him? As much as he was pissed at Ezra and himself, he knew he would need answers. And when he got them, he was relieved. And when he got the truth, hearing Ezra say he loved him, it had sent him into euphoria. At least until he realized he'd had another man's mouth on his not long before, that his hands had touched and groped someone not Ezra, that his body had been played with by somebody he didn't know and didn't care to know. He would not taint the night any further. Once he was practically red from the sheer amount of scrubbing involved to wash away the encounter, Anthony found himself at a loss. Because holy hell, Ezra said he loved him, and did he say it back? No, because he's an idiot. He could call him, of course, but ringing up your best mate to say, by the way, I love you romantically too, seemed a bit pathetic. So Anthony had gathered up some things in a backpack and headed back out. He had wanted to surprise Ezra, and damn it all, he'd keep trying until he got it right. His reception last night was damn near perfect, it was everything else that hadn't been. While his reception this morning had been less than ideal, the rest of the day had been a dream. 
They'd held hands all the way to the campus cafe, while they waited for their order, and all the way back to Esra's room. They'd snuggled on his bed, carrying on like they'd always done, but now with an undertone of something wonderful and giddy and new. Ezra had had work, so they'd gotten their respective things done as quickly as possible. When do you need to go back? Ezra asked at one point. As long as I'm back in time for class tomorrow, I don't really care, Anthony had replied. But what about your father? Fuck him, Anthony replied, ignoring the trill of fear that shot through him. Ezra didn't seem too sure of that answer, but he didn't argue either. There was a knock on the door near five that had them looking up and then at each other. When it sounded again, Ezra set aside his work and answered it. Oh, Gabriel, he said, and Anthony rolled his eyes, all while scared that Ezra's polite nature would have him go on a blasted date he'd already gone and cancelled. Hey, sunshine, Gabriel replied. So I know earlier you said, doesn't matter, I thought maybe we could still eat together, but as pals. Pals, Anthony said with a wrinkle of his nose. Ezra smiled at him over his shoulder. If you'd like to join Anthony and I, Ezra began. Anthony's here, Gabriel said, and Ezra startled as the door was suddenly pushed open and Gabriel Haven looked at Anthony as if he'd somehow betrayed him. Anthony merely gave a little wave with his fingers, not bothering to move from the bed. He surprised me again, Ezra said with an excited grin. Our night didn't exactly go well, you see. We got into a terrible argument. Huge, Anthony nodded. And see, we only just made up before he had to return to London. So he came back this morning so we could talk it out. Ezra bounced on his feet once, utterly pleased, and Anthony wanted to pull him back to the bed and squeeze, maybe snog him silly if he was up to it. Right, Gabriel said. Well, I'm glad you made up, Anthony, but Ezra and I did have plans. No, he cancelled those, Anthony said. He told me this morning. Gabriel clearly couldn't rebut that one. Rain check, then, he asked Ezra. Probably could get together later this week, Ezra conceded. And we can have a meal together, then, as pals. He emphasized the word with something anyone else would mistake for an angelic grin, but Anthony knew was Ezra being an utter bastard. It did things. Gabriel grimaced, nodded, and then turned around and left. Ezra closed the door and very pointedly locked it. You know we're going to have to leave here to get food ourselves, right? Anthony pointed out as Ezra moved back to the bed. I do, but... He wrung his fingers. I 
did want to talk to you about last night. Oh, Anthony said, his smile falling as Red crept in. I know you said that you wanted to kiss me after what I said in regards to my feelings for you. Ezra started. But, well, we've kissed before once already. Yeah, I know, Anthony replied, the dread already leaving him. Ezra blinked. You do? He shrugged. Yeah. You, you never mentioned it. Was I supposed to? Anthony asked, furrowing his brow. Well, I had thought that if there was ever a time when we would kiss, especially like we had in the kitchen, that you and I would, well, that we would discuss it, that we would, I don't know. Ezra, I wasn't sure you remembered, Anthony retorted, adding, and you never mentioned it either. I wasn't the one who did the snogging, Ezra grumbled. You kissed me first, Anthony replied, getting off the bed and going to Ezra, who crossed his arms and pouted. It was hardly something that counted, not like what you did in the kitchen. Oh, you mean like this? Anthony asked, striking quick as a snake, capturing Ezra's face in his hands and his lips with his own in a flash. Ezra's hands went around Anthony's waist, sliding up his back as Ezra gave in to the kiss, smiling against Anthony's mouth. He returned the smile despite it meaning feeling less of Ezra's mouth on his own. When they finally did break apart for air, Ezra stammered, Yes, like that. Anthony smiled smugly. Can I keep doing that? Snog you senseless? Maybe even call you my boyfriend from time to time instead of merely my best mate? I'd like to call you my boyfriend all the time if you'd allow it. Ezra replied, a bit dazed. Suppose you could, but only if I get to do the same. Anthony replied, placing a peck on Ezra's lips. Call yourself your boyfriend? Ezra teased, and Anthony snogged him into giggles. Love you, you bastard. Anthony smiled, beamed, delighting in the moment. Oh, I love you too. I've been doing a lot of thinking, Ezra told him as they laid in his bed that night, the movie playing but thoroughly ignored since they'd both seen it so many times already. Cuddling with intent was new, though. Snuggled under a blanket, pressed together, had been common. But now there were casual touches to be had, kisses to be placed wherever they could be, the ability to look at one another with open adoration when it had to be so carefully masked before. What have you been thinking about? 
Anthony asked, shifting his fingers through Ezra's. I may not return here next year, he said softly. When Anthony frowned, Ezra shrugged. You mentioned teaching before, and it got me thinking. I can't make a proper living of academia, not as comfortably as I would like. I'd been contemplating for some time and even had the application filled out for school back home. My scholarship here is essentially out, and while I do have some savings from working in the library and around campus, it would never be enough to cover the tuition, housing... I could get a loan, but I don't think that's a route I would like to go down, at least not with the debt an Oxford education would bring. Anthony hummed in understanding. Mm, is teaching something you want to do? Or are you only doing it because I mentioned it? Ezra smiled. I'd like to think I'm honoring my mum this way as well. But yes, I think teaching English would be something I'd enjoy quite a lot. Anthony caressed Ezra's cheek with his unoccupied hand. Then I'll support you. Whatever you want. Not like we'd have been able to be together next school year anyway. Even if you manage to get into a school in London, my flats. I know, darling, Ezra said softly. Anthony shivered. Think I could get used to you calling me that. He grinned before kissing Ezra, still mildly shocked that it was something he was now able to do. They kept it quiet for a time. Anthony would sneak to Oxford every chance he got, which wasn't as often as either of them would have liked. They would whisper their love for each other on video calls, spam one another with it through text messages, and bask in it when they were finally together. Eventually, though, Anthony must have been a bit too loud about something Ezra-related. Because when he answered the unexpected knock on his door, he did so to find a fuming James Crowley on the other side. You're seeing a boy, he said with his hands clenched. Man, really, at our age, Anthony replied, crossing his arms. James shoved his way in, probably so they wouldn't have the conversation in the hall. Anthony didn't bother reminding him that part of the appeal for James to have plopped Anthony there was that the walls were thin. James stood in the middle of the small space, taking deep breaths. I want you to end it, he said bluntly. Why? Anthony asked. What's it really to you who I date? Because you are a Crowley. James snapped. And Crowleys are not fucking fairies. Crowleys are men. Crowleys... Crowleys sound like a bunch of fuckwits, if you ask me, Anthony replied. Watch your mouth, boy, James snapped. No, Anthony retorted. You are going to end... I will do no such thing, 
Anthony snapped. Then I'm cutting you off, James said in an eerily calm manner. And I'm kicking you out. He finished the school year in his friend's dorm. But when the term was done and it was time to head home, Anthony realized for the first time that he no longer really had one. His mum had told him he should just end things with Ezra, even though she didn't even know it was Ezra he was seeing. She would not, however, take his side. Not now, not when he was an adult and knew the terms which his father demanded he keep to in order to remain in his good graces. Anthony Crowley metaphorically walked away from them both. Physically, he wasn't able to do much but look despondently at the mobile that would only work for another week. His parents paid the bill, after all. With nothing else for it, he headed toward his last hope. He'd walked this route many times in his life, but he'd never been as afraid to do so as he was now. He went up to the door, took a deep breath, and did something he hadn't done in forever. He knocked. There was a shuffling sound on the other side, and then the door opened to a very surprised Cynthia fell. Anthony, what? she asked, looking at the two bags at his sides, then to his face. I don't have anywhere else to go he admitted. I know, it's... I'm really sorry. She stepped forward and wrapped her arms around him as best she could, considering their height difference and the bags in his hands. You are always welcome here, she said with a catch in her voice. Ezra told me you two are a couple now, and I was so hoping when I saw you again it would be in much happier circumstances. She stepped back and cupped his face. We'll get you sorted, all right? I don't have any money, he told her, shaking his head in her grasp. I can't pay you rent. She gently patted his cheek in a facsimile of a slap. I'll have none of that now, she smiled and stepped back, holding the door open for Anthony while he came in, even though the door didn't budge during their conversation. She closed it behind him. Go put your stuff in Ezra's room, she directed. His train won't get in for a couple hours, she frowned. Though you came from London, didn't you? Eliza should be home soon. I saw her at the station, he told Cynthia as he started to head to the hall. She and Deirdre were getting lunch or something before heading home. At Cynthia's hum of understanding, he went down the hall to Ezra's room, put his bags down and then collapsed on the bed. He buried his face in his hands and thanked someone that his boyfriend's mother was more of a mum to him than his own ever was. 
Ezra called as he came in, towing off his shoes. When he looked down, he noted a very familiar pair of fake snakeskin shoes already there. He smirked, wondering how many times Anthony would attempt to surprise him now that they were dating. Heading into the kitchen, he stopped short at the sight before him. It wasn't the wonderful cheeky grin he hoped for, but a different Anthony nursing a cup of tea with Ezra's mum. His hair was lying flat, a sight normally not seen outside of sleepovers or video chats before bed. He looked tired and dishevelled, the weight of the world dragging him down. What's going on? he asked, moving to Anthony's side, putting his hand on his shoulder and not in the least surprised to feel his love's head press against his side. His mum smiled sadly. Sit down, love. Anthony's got something he needs to tell you. I don't want you to have to cover for me, Anthony protested as he and Ezra were in his, correction, their room that evening. After cleaning up after dinner, they ventured down the hall to put Anthony's things away and began the first steps of getting his life sorted. Step one was a resume, which Anthony had pointed out was almost pointless because his phone was only good for another week. At least until Ezra said he'd pay Anthony's bill. I know you don't, Anthony, but it's not like you have very many options here. Ezra retorted as he put the last of Anthony's clothes in the closet. It was only a bit full, his own wardrobe being minimal, simply because he didn't feel the need for more. They'd divided the drawers already, and Anthony had placed the potted ivy Ezra had given him back when their friendship was still new near the window. It was the only plant of Anthony's that came with him, the rest having been at the house he was no longer welcome in. Anthony sighed, running his hand through his hair as he sat in the desk chair. I shouldn't have to rely on you. I should have, I don't know, set up a separate account and funneled money. Yes, dear, that's exactly what you should have done. Ezra smirked. Well, what else should I have done? Anthony asked, exasperated. Oh no, don't get a job. We'll make sure you don't have to worry about money. Of course there was a little asterisk there. A clause written in super fine print, so long as you aren't gay. You aren't gay, Ezra commented. It's not the point, Anthony argued, trying not to chuckle when Ezra giggled. There was a knock on the bedroom door, which Anthony got up to answer while Ezra got himself under control. Sorry to interrupt, Cynthia said nervously. But there's a gentleman here to speak to Anthony. 
Ezra and he exchanged looks, and then they followed Cynthia down the hall to the kitchen, where a familiar man sat at the kitchen table. You are Anthony's doctor from a few years ago, Ezra said, as he looked upon the face of a man so very similar in likeness to his love. The doctor shifted in his seat, but his eyes kept falling on Anthony. Erica didn't know where you were, but she said this was the best place to start looking. Honestly, I didn't think she'd ever actually toss out her own kid. In fairness to her, she wasn't the one who threw me out. She just did nothing to stop it, Anthony replied. He moved carefully to the table and Ezra joined him, his mum, shortly after. He covered Anthony's hand and Anthony smiled gratefully at him. So, I guess this is the part where you tell me you're really my dad, Anthony said to the doctor. He took a deep breath. Yeah, the man said. And I hate to come to you now with this, given everything you've been through, but I didn't have any other immediate options. The doctor tapped against the table. I have three other kids, all from my wife who isn't exactly around a lot. My youngest, your brother, is in need of a transplant. I'm sorry to hear that, Cynthia said, and Ezra nodded in agreement with his mother. Thank you, the doctor said sincerely. He looked at Anthony. It's a long shot. You're only his half-brother. His brother and sister weren't a match, but you might be. How can I be if you're not? Anthony asked. It's in the blood typing, the doctor explained. Terry doesn't share my blood type, but your mom does, so there's a chance, maybe. Anthony nodded. I... how old? He's eight, the doctor replied. Shit, Anthony said, pulling his hand away from Ezra's a moment as he leaned back in his chair. He giggled mirthlessly, rubbing at his face a moment. Oh, he groaned. Yep. He looked around the dining room, hand falling back to Ezra's and gripping tight. If he's a match and Anthony goes through with helping Terry, how long will he be in the hospital for? Ezra asked. A week, the doctor replied. There would be recovery time. He wouldn't be able to work. Anthony laughed bitterly. <laughs> Not going to help my situation much, that, he said to Ezra. Can't get a job, can't even job hunt if I'm laid up in bed. If you're a match to Terry, I will compensate you however I can, the doctor said. How kind, Anthony retorted sarcastically. The doctor bowed his head and nodded. I get it, he said. I do, I get that you're... You don't owe me or your brother anything. You didn't even know you had a brother. But it wasn't like I had a chance to know you. Why not? Anthony asked. We met before. Your mother told me to let it go, act professionally, 
he retorted. I didn't even know for sure you were mine until I saw you that day. She warned me. Seventeen years, I wondered. Would you want to know him now? Cynthia asked, then quickly turned to Antony. Not that you aren't going to be welcome here otherwise. I told you earlier, this was home now, and I meant it. She turned back to the doctor. But would you want that now? Antony's father's eyes widened a fraction. If... if Antony wants to. I know, it's... he's all grown up now, and it's up to you he said to his son. Antony looked at him long and hard. I'm dating Ezra. He's my boyfriend. Will that be a problem for you in the long run? The doctor quirked his eyebrow in a very Antony-like manner. No, he replied. I thought you two were dating back then, but Erica quickly corrected me on that. Guess she wasn't entirely right, though, was she? Her saying you two were only friends, he said with a smirk. Antony snorted. <laughs> no, she was right back then. He then looked to Ezra, seeming to be searching for something. Ezra smiled, squeezed his hand, hoping he found the answer he was looking for. Antony nodded, then turned to his father. What do I need to do? His scar still pulled after a long day, which was what Anthony had just gotten home from. Still, despite the pain in his abdomen, he put away the groceries he'd bought before making his way to his and Ezra's room for a change of clothes. He wanted to make dinner for the night, something he'd gotten pretty good at with Cynthia's and Ezra's help, but he also didn't want to even think about starting it without a shower and a quick rest. His eyes itched from the contact lenses he was still getting used to. His boss was actually pretty all right with him wearing sunglasses to work, seeing as how during the summer most of it was outside, but now that the cooler months were setting in, a lot of Anthony's work at the nursery was moving indoors. He didn't want to risk getting fired from customer complaints, so now he added the coloured lenses to his routine. He smelled a bit too. Ezra once commented that the earthy smell that clung to him while working with the plants had actually been rather pleasant, but all Anthony could pick up on was the sweat and dirt. Anthony opened the door, peeling off his shirt over his head, and he yelped at finding Ezra inside already watching him with a smirk. Hand over his rapidly beating heart, shirt somewhere on the floor behind him, he glared at Ezra, who had the audacity to laugh at him. What are you doing home? Anthony demanded, his voice far too high for it to be his, yet here they were. <laughs> I don't, I don't have as, as many classes today. 
Ezra said between giggles. I walked home, thought I'd do a bit of studying. He stood from the chair, then went to Anthony, gently pulling the hand clutching Anthony's chest away before taking the ginger in his arms, breathing deep. How was your day, darling? Not bad, Anthony replied as he buried his face in Ezra's neck. When's your mum gonna be home? Not for a bit. Ezra replied, sounding like he was frowning. She's in meetings until close to tea time. Anthony grinned like a shark, pulling back to look at Ezra. Want a shower with me? Ezra's mouth may have twisted into a scowl, but his eyes were glimmering with intrigue. It's the middle of the afternoon. And I'm going to need help with my back. Anthony added. And maybe a few other places. You fiend, Ezra said with absolutely no maliciousness to it. He stepped back, playfully swatting at Anthony's chest. The touch was too lingering to be effective in any way. Go get the water ready. I'll bring our clothes. Dried and stretched out on the bed to help his scars feel a bit better, Anthony pressed his head to Ezra's thigh, regretting that he agreed it was a good idea for them to get dressed again after their lengthy shower. He already missed Ezra's skin, something he hadn't gotten quite enough of. But if there was one thing Anthony could respect, it was the simple fact that Cynthia would probably rather not have to worry about walking in on her son and his partner doing anything beyond a snuggle and a few kisses. She would probably also very much rather never have to worry about the amount of clothing they'd be wearing. It was never stated as a rule, but it was one he and Ezra followed, even now that they didn't have to keep the door open a crack. Well, mostly followed. Dad wanted us to go to his place for dinner this weekend, if you're free, Anthony told Ezra as he snaked his arm around the front of Ezra's waist, just against his stomach. Ezra's hand held his in place, the leg Anthony wasn't leaning against, coming up to prop up the book Ezra was reading. I am, Ezra replied, then glanced down at Anthony. I take it you're warming up to him? Anthony shrugged. He's not a phobic asshole, and he's not threatening to hold anything over my head until I become someone he wants me to be. So he's already better than my last dad. He smirked for a moment. I'm still struggling a bit. He wasn't there. He didn't come forward when he met me before. It took my brother being sick for him to seek me out. I've been an adult for six years, and at any point he could have come forward, could have tried to get to know me, but he didn't. But I think I get why he didn't. 
And why is that? Ezra asked. Because as far as he could tell, my life was all right. Who knows what Mum told him, it's possible he thought James was going to just give me life on a silver platter. He shrugged. I think I get why he did it, but it doesn't mean I understand it. If we ever have kids, I'd want them to know that they are always wanted. Ezra stiffened beside him, and Anthony thought through what he had said with dawning horror. He shot up, looking at Ezra with wide eyes. Not, not that I'm assuming anything. I mean, we, you might not want any of that with me. Ezra slowly looked at Anthony, his face unreadable. Don't be stupid, he said simply. I've loved you forever. Of course I want a future with you. I just, I suppose I never considered children. Do you not like them? Anthony asked curiously. I like them well enough, Ezra conceded. I just suppose I hadn't thought of myself as a father. Okay, Anthony said simply. So, kids, not off the table for us. If there is an us. Down the line, I mean. Ezra grinned. We've been dating for maybe five months. Might be a bit soon to talk about that sort of thing. Especially as we're living in my bedroom at my mother's house. Yeah, I suppose, Anthony agreed. But you do know I want that, yeah? You, me, rest of our lives? Ezra blushed. I didn't, but it's a want we both share. Ezra hadn't known when, exactly, Anthony had stopped getting a haircut, but the results now were actually quite lovely. Long hair suited him, but then everything suited him. It was pulled back in a messy bun at the moment, as they'd just finished moving boxes into a small flat just a couple months after their one-year anniversary almost a full year since Anthony had moved in with the Fells. Small, of course, was an understatement. It was essentially a room with an ensuite and a kitchen area tucked in the corner. But it was near the nursery Anthony worked at and not terribly far from the school Ezra would be teaching at in the fall. Plus, it was theirs. As much as they loved his mum, Ezra was sure Anthony was just as glad for the privacy their own place offered. Angel, do you know what box the linens are in? Want to make the bed so I can possibly have a nap before we do any more unpacking? Anthony said as he rummaged, either not seeing or purposely ignoring the clearly marked box that said linens not far from him. A nap, you say? Ezra asked coyly, checking that the flat door was closed and locked so no one who was helping earlier could suddenly come back in. 
Well, if that's all you're interested in... Anthony chuckled. <laughs> it's the middle of the afternoon, he said as he knelt down, having spotted the linen box on his own. And... Ezra asked, smirking. And your mum... Anthony stopped, head whipping up in realization. He looked around the flat, with its many boxes to still be unpacked, and the furniture from Ezra's old room and an old love seat from the basement Eliza hadn't wanted when she moved to Tatfield. He then turned to Ezra. We're by ourselves here, he said, as if he'd only just realized this. No one else. No one else will come in. No one will knock, and if they do, we don't have to answer. He stood back up. There's no neighbors purposely listening. Holy shit, he said, causing Ezra to giggle. They unpacked in the evening, with pizza that could be better and a cheap bottle of wine with no proper glasses, and Ezra cherished every single second of it. Tony's willing to help me start my own business, Anthony said from the sofa as Ezra graded at the desk. That's wonderful, dear, he replied. Deciding to put your degree to use? You know I've been toying with the idea since school, Anthony said over his shoulder, and Ezra nodded. It's just, when James tossed me out, sort of thought that was over. Now, between what I've got saved, what Tony's willing to front, I might be able to swing it. Ezra frowned. I've been thinking too, he said, abandoning his marking and moving to join Anthony on the sofa. He plopped down, took Anthony's hands in his. You wanted to do a horticulture course. I was going to suggest you going back to school. Angel, Anthony started, but Ezra hushed him. If you genuinely don't have the desire, I won't say another word on the subject. But I make enough that I could support us both while you do. It would mean having very little in the way of luxury spending, but if it meant you getting to learn more of what you love... You'd do that? Anthony asked. You'd support us both so I could go back to school? Ezra smiled lovingly. Of course I would. Twenty eleven. It had been a shitty year. There was nothing else for it. As Anthony held a heartbroken Ezra to his shoulder and barely kept it together himself, saying even in his mind that it had been a shitty year was a massive understatement. They'd almost broken up. Twice. 
Oscar made a grand return in Ezra's life, and while he had always said when he was planning doing things with his ex, it still left Antony unsettled. After all, he could never join them, as there was always work to do, either with school or with actual work to try and help pay the bills. It might not have bothered him as much if it was, say, Gabriel Haven, who now understood he never stood a chance, but this was Oscar. Oscar, who had been Ezra's first everything. Oscar, who had wanted to marry Ezra. Oscar, who was still too nice to hate and handsome and everything Anthony wanted to be but couldn't. They'd come to blows on that in April. A massive, yelling mess that had Ezra storming out and not returning for over a day. Anthony had, at first, seethed. He had been so certain he'd known where Ezra had gone and was bordering on hating him for it when Oscar called him to say he hadn't heard a word from Ezra and that he'd missed their lunch. After that, Anthony had panicked and when he called Eliza, he'd never been more thankful to be called so many unflattering names in his entire life. He'd gone to Tatfield, begged Ezra to come home, apologized profusely and nearly had his knees give way when Ezra forgave him, returning home with him. It was as Antony's year-long course had ended when they came to blows again. He'd still wanted to open that shop, and now armed with more knowledge than what he was gaining with the nursery, he'd adjusted his business plan and could see it being more profitable in a shorter time. It was perfect. Ezra, however, wasn't so sure. Now they both had student debts, and while Ezra's was well underway to be paid off, Antony's was only beginning. Their savings hadn't grown much since Antony was only working part-time, and while Ezra had lined up summer work, he didn't like the idea of taking a financial risk like that so soon. They didn't talk for almost a week. Ezra slept on the couch, if he slept at all. The entire flat felt oppressive, and if he was that worried about money and whatnot, Anthony was more than willing, in the moment, to make sure he didn't have to. He'd started packing his bags, but never finished when Ezra came home at the end of that long, frosty week with a bottle of good wine, a still only subpar pizza, and an apology ready on his lips. When he'd noticed the bags, he merely gave a defeated, teary-eyed nod and commented on how he'd deserve it if Anthony left. They cried and talked, properly talked, and in the end they both had an understanding of where the other was coming from. Anthony wanted his freedom to call his shots and do something for himself. Ezra had explained his fear of not being able to support them both if things didn't work out. So they agreed it would still happen, but would wait a year, even with Tony's support, to save a bit more to have a bigger buffer. 
it had been somewhat smooth sailing from there. At least until Cynthia broke it to them and Eliza that she'd been diagnosed with cancer. Twenty twelve. It had been a big debate in the first few months of the year whether or not the shop should go ahead. Neither Anthony nor Ezra wanted to leave Cynthia as she went through her treatments, but it was becoming obvious that Anthony's dreams likely wouldn't take root anywhere in their hometown. Eventually, Cynthia caught their whispered debates and scolded them for putting their lives on hold for her. So, in March, they found a lot next to a Hendrix and Hatfield, parked the old, second-hand Bentley, brought up to safety standards which greatly lessened its value, and dreamed. I'm not entirely sure about this, Ezra said. I've barely had my job for a year, the commute alone. I'd make the commute, Anthony assured. We won't have to move if you don't want to. Well, that would be right down my colleague Gloria's alley. Ezra smirked as they turned to each other. One whiff that you aren't around and she'll be setting that Richard bloke on me again. Introduce him to Oscar, Anthony retorted. You said Richard was as bookish as you both when you talked to him. Oscar's been seeming a bit lonely lately, so why not? Are you just saying that because you don't want Oscar around as much? Ezra's smirk grew. No, saying that cause I like Oscar and he needs to be happy. Hell, we're happy most of the time. Most of the time? Ezra blustered. Anthony merely turned and smiled at him. Yes, he replied. I love you, and I'll never stop loving you, and I am happy with you. I want you forever, it's just... Sometimes you leave teacups about, and you never rinse the wine glasses. You snore and always have, and your hair is everywhere, Ezra retorted, and after a moment, they burst into giggles. <laughs> Fuck, Angel, we sound like an old married couple, only been together three years. Yes, but we've known each other for thirteen. Has it been that long? Afraid so, Ezra replied. After a while of staring at the empty space, he added, Perhaps... Maybe we could be a bit of an old married couple. Not not that we can get actually married, but... Are you saying you want to make this legal? Anthony asked, looking at him uncertainly. You want to be civil partners? Well, if I'm completely honest, I would like you to be my husband. But since we can't... Yes, Anthony said. Yeah, let's do it. Civil partners. Ezra blinked. What, you mean like today? Why not today? What is it, just signing some papers? 
He took Ezra's hand in his. I love you. You love me. We both know we want forever. Give me one proper reason why we shouldn't just do it. Ezra considered it. Well, I always thought there would be cake. Two weeks and one day later, there was cake. And a ceremony, though it was small. And a few days after that, Anthony legally changed his name to Fell. They were always more of a family to him than the Crowleys ever were. Twenty thirteen. The shop was thriving. A year and a half after it opened, and it had gone well into the black. Ezra had found teaching work in Tadfield, which allowed him and Anthony to move closer to the shop. They'd bought a house, a fairly decent-sized house where Cynthia could have stayed if she wanted to, but she stubbornly refused, wanting to give her children their own space, even though remission was tentative at best and she would be more on her own now than she was during treatments. She did, however, grace them with her presence at Christmas, seeing as how Anthony and Ezra could host her and Eliza far easier than if she hosted them at the Fell House. Their house had been teasingly and affectionately dubbed the New Fell House. The neighbors were a bit confused when they'd first moved in. Two men with the same last name, who looked absolutely nothing alike, had made a few think they were cousins at first. Thankfully, they never had any hostile neighbors, but a few less open-minded ones gave them and their house funny looks from time to time. It wasn't that they were opposed to the relationship. Tatfield was actually a pretty open-minded community on the whole, but Anthony having changed his name made those few uncomfortable. But those were very few, and most of them had openly welcomed the Newfelds and were quite friendly to them. Especially those who came to realize that Anthony was the owner of the new garden shop and wanted tips on how to maintain the plant's gorgeous looks once they got them home. It wasn't much different when the holidays came about and people began putting up their trees. Except, of course, all the help Anthony could offer in regards to real Christmas trees was to get them in the stands straight. I'd have thought you'd have decorated more, Cynthia commented with a teasing smile as she nibbled on some dried fruit from a tray Ezra laid out earlier. Couldn't decide what to put up besides a tree, Anthony commented before he popped in a mouthful of nuts, sprawled on the dining chair like he didn't have limbs. He claimed it felt nice on his back after a long day. Ezra was convinced he'd been hit in the head and forgot how to sit properly. 
Tapping his wooden spoon against the pot, he lowered the temperature on the sauce, then turned to join his mother and his husband at the table. He was too invested in decorating the shop, Ezra teased in turn. Was not, Antony argued. It's my shop, our shop, and I can decorate it how I want. Yes, dear. Ezra teased, getting a chuckle out of Cynthia as they heard the front door open. Oh, God, what's that smell? Eliza asked from the entryway. Hello to you, too, Ezra called back. He smiled when Eliza first entered the kitchen, then stopped when he noticed she'd been serious in her inquiry. She took a couple of sniffs, following whatever she was smelling toward the stove. She sniffed around it, then opened the oven just a moment before promptly closing it, covering her mouth. She took a deep breath, then another. Right, she said after a moment, composing herself before dropping her hand to her stomach. What's wrong with you? Ezra asked her. Oh, right, she said, clearing her throat. She turned to face them, throwing her hands out to the sides. <clears throat> Happy Christmas, I'm pregnant. After a beat, Anthony declared, You hag! Ezra palmed his face, groaning. What's your problem? Eliza asked. Anthony sputtered as Ezra lowered his hands and placed one on Antony's. That's what we were gonna say, he declared. Eliza arched a brow. You're pregnant, are you? Well, no, Antony replied. We are on the list for adoption. They accepted our application. We just need to be chosen. Twenty fourteen. They met their daughter a few months later, being quite surprised when they were called and informed the parents previously chosen had withdrawn. She was a beautiful thing, and they'd fallen in love with her instantly. They hadn't named her before taking her home, which the agency assured was quite all right and more common than people would imagine. So, as they cuddled her in their own bed, her bassinet not terribly far, but terribly unused at this point, Antony and Ezra pondered what to name her. We could name her Ophelia, Ezra suggested, brushing his thumb against the baby's soft cheek. Really? From one of the gloomy ones? Antony groaned. You could call her Leah, if you like. Ezra said in a gentle voice, his eyes so full of love for their little girl, Antony couldn't deny him anything. It was just so much of what he always wanted, this bit of family bliss with Ezra. Except... Ophelia Cynthia Fell sounds weird. Ezra looked at him in wonder. You... you want to give her mum's name? 
Anthony shrugged. Why not? She took me in when she didn't have to. She was there for me when I needed her, and... Quite right, Ezra agreed solemnly, and Anthony kissed his temple. He hadn't meant to make the mood melancholy, but the reality was Cynthia probably was going to be facing another battle with cancer soon, and the outlook was less positive than before. Rosalind, Anthony suggested. Rosalind Cynthia fell. That's beautiful, Ezra replied. Nearly as beautiful as her. I think that's it. Anthony turned his husband's head and kissed him, so filled with happiness he didn't know what else to do with it. Twenty eighteen. They aren't allowed to be starting nursery. Eliza pouted, crossing her arms as she stood beside Ezra, the two of them watching their children introduce themselves to other children and seeming to already be making friends. I agree, Ezra lamented. He then looked up at her from the corner of his eye. How did Gavin take it? Eliza shrugged. He laughed at me the whole way here, which I hated, but if he'd been the one crying about Adam growing up, I'd have laughed too, she said as she thumbed the ring on her left ring finger. Ezra was not at all surprised when Eliza and Gavin got engaged only a few months after they started dating, about a year after they met. Eliza had always been a bit quick to fall in what she thought was love, but the moment she realized Gavin was different, she held on with both hands and never let go. She'd confessed, shortly after meeting him, that seeing him and Anthony together had always made her a bit envious. And maybe a little worried that she'd never find someone she could call her best friend as much as her lover. But she'd found him one day in Anthony's shop when she'd been trying to reach a succulent on a shelf above her head and Gavin had spotted her and quickly moved to help her out. The rest, as one would say, is history. How did Anthony take it? Eliza asked with a smirk. Ezra snorted. <laughs> He's wearing his sunglasses and not because he forgot his lenses. I had to drive Eliza. He was absolutely no good. Eliza threw her head back and laughed, glancing over her shoulder. <laughs> oh, they're back, bless them, she said, and Ezra turned to see his husband and future brother-in-law returning with takeaway cups. Wedding planning after this, then? He asked his sister. I think so, she said. Then, on a sigh, he said, Oh, we should probably go. Imagine if Mum and Dad stood outside our school all day when we first started. Dad probably did, Ezra said as they turned to meet their partners and let their children branch out on their own.